step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is Gary and Shannon, and you're listening to KFI AM640, The Gary and Shannon Show, on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Swamp Watch. The swamp is horrible. So government doesn't work. Come on, man. We're going to make this like a, a reality TV show. Corn Pop was a bad dude. It's always a pleasure to be anywhere but Washington, D.C. Hey, Joe. Hey, Esther. <laughs> a town all too clearly built on a swamp, and in so many ways, still a swamp. That's a bunch of malarkey. Somebody said, drain the swamp. I said, oh, that's so hokey. Keep yapping, man. Swamp Watch. You know the thing. If you really care about the lives lost here, then you should honor the lives lost Those were the uh, the protesters that stood up, raised their hands, and started shouting at the president during his speech today. That was drowned out by the call for four more years. Uh, just a short time after that, uh, the other people that were in M- Mother Emanuel AME Church. This was where. This was where nine black people were gunned down by a white supremacist in 2015, this church. Among other things, the president was there to uh, to talk about racial violence and just the absolute cancer that it has been in uh, parts of the United States. I was talking downstairs. I, uh, I've spent more time in uh, the uh, Bethel AME Church in Wilmington, Delaware, than I have uh, than most people I know black or white have spent in that church. Because that's why I started the civil. No, I'm serious. I started the civil rights movement. I used to go to 7:30 mass, then I'd go to 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock service with the reverend who was then running the church. Is now the bishop. She's a bishop, and I'm told your bishop had been there before in South Africa. And that's where he is right now. The point is that I've been blessed to worship here before as well. Um, and then went straight after former President Trump. They don't have respect for the 81 million people who voted the other way. Vote for my candidacy. And voted to end the presidency. In their world, these Americans, including you, don't count. But that's not the real world. That's not democracy. That's not America. In America, we all count. In America, we witness to serve all those who, in fact, participate. Mm-hmm. And losers are taught to concede when they lose. Oh, my God. What are he's we doing? And he's a loser, he says. Um, there is an op-ed piece in the New York Times today that uh, encapsulates what I think we've felt for the last several weeks, probably. And, and listen, it could change when we get into the caucuses and the primaries in a couple of weeks, but the New York Times headline on this op-ed piece the election no one seems to want is coming right at us. Yeah. You know, and part of me wonders, uh, you know, about 
Just the the, automa- the the automatic assumption that whoever was in office for four years gets to run for another term. It's just it's just un-American, isn't it? It's like uh, it's it's just not the way things are supposed to go. And I almost wonder if it's because when you've got a president like Biden or Trump, that the elected lawmakers in Congress are more powerful because you've got somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing. Let's be honest. So the people around them are more powerful. They have more power. The, uh, you know, senators, the represent, they all have more power because they actually have a bigger say in what's going on. As opposed to if you had somebody strong in the White House that was able to run the their own show. I almost wonder if that's part of it, that there it's a power struggle just in the microcosm of D.C. That it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just keep old Joe there. That way we can uh, run the country. I or, did, well, yeah, I we'll, think we'll, part, we'll keep I think Trump there. I, I think that is part of it. Um, there's one thing about what he said, though, in those comments that I that I feel like both sides do this and they do this poorly. Uh, he was talking about how Republicans aren't honoring the 81 million people who voted for him mm-hmm. as opposed to Donald Trump. Vote for my candidacy. And voted to end the presidency. In their world, these Americans, including you, don't count. No, he's, okay, so he's talking about the name. votes that don't count, but it's a way of saying that Trump doesn't care about black people. Right. And he doesn't, I mean, why would he even have to telegraph that? Just come out and say it. If you believe that, then come out and say it. That You don't have to be, he's Vague. gone after him, yeah. you know, as specifically in many cases. But the other thing was, that to me is an acknowledgement. People weren't, I don't know anybody who got like Joe Biden's face tattooed on their butt. Like nobody was that excited about the fact that it was Joe Biden, the Joe Biden. No. Longtime politician Joe Biden that was running for president. It was at least it's not that guy. Exactly. Um, well, when we come back, we've got your chance at $1,000. Also, I want to introduce you to Ron Betts. He's 72. He's a Republican in Iowa. He plans to caucus for Trump all the way because Trump, in his words, exemplified what Jesus would do. We go to Des Moines, Iowa, where Pastor Charles Hundley opened his worship service. It was a cold Sunday yesterday when Pastor Hundley began that service with a prayer that made it clear one endorsement is above all. Iowa caucuses just eight days away. Pastor Hundley said, we thank you for the upcoming election, Lord, or caucus, as we call it in Iowa. Mm. The Lord knows that you caucus in Iowa. Mm -hmm. The Lord knows that. That's not breaking news to the Lord. The Lord knows all. Yeah, you don't have to cl- <laughs> clarify. Yeah, come on. You can be pretty messy in your prayer. I think right. that's the whole point is that he knows that. It's almost like I can see the Lord bringing down his hand and kind of tapping Pastor Huntley on the on the, the head saying, bless your heart. Oh, Charles. He said, it doesn't matter what your opinion is, what our opinion is. It's really What's your opinion that matters? But you've given us the privilege of being able to exercise a beautiful gift, the gift of vote. We thank you for that, Lord. Okay. So this Ron And the Betts, Lord said back. Is that all, Chuck? Is that what, is this, what he said? Uh, Ron Betts is the guy that you mentioned. A 72-year-old said he plans to caucus for Trump all the way. Said that the, he felt that the former president exemplified 
what Jesus would do. Now that is not that what is Jesus would do. Such a weird, pardon my language, bastardization of what the Bible tells you Jesus would do. It's one thing if you like Trump for his values or his policy or his opinions or his brashness or whatever, but you cannot compare the man to Jesus if you are a devotee of the Bible. There's, uh, just, there's just no there there. That is not the right <laughs> argument. Uh, it's it's interesting, if you want to call it that, that Trump will frequently uh, feature a prayer at the start of his campaign events, especially in a place like Iowa. I assume so he would do in, in other parts of the Yeah, but South it's not also, because but... he's a prayerful person. It's because he wants to get the evangelical vote. And he doesn't, he's not the one who prays. Somebody else comes in and prays on his behalf. Now, if you want to compare Trump to Mary Magdalene, that's one thing. Maybe he sees the error of his ways. Well, okay, now that's a good point. So this guy says that this former president exemplifies, uh, that former President Trump exemplified what Jesus would do. Um, no, I would, I would even give him credit if he said, He's trying to do what Jesus would do, right? I mean, that's why they wear the little bracelets. What He's would Jesus do? He's trying to get better. Jesus You're, wanted all of us to get better and be better, and that's what Trump is. I mean, there's a million definition, ways to explain that away. But right. That, isn't by it? definition, Jesus was the perfect person, right? right? Because he was 100% God, 100% man. Don't ask me. It's in the Bible. And that he was infallible. There's no way that you could look at that guy and say he's infallible. There's no way you could look at Trump and say that he's infallible. I understand you believe that he's the one who's going to usher in this this uh, this sort of Pax Americana of this you know wonderful God fearing country. He's not. So Ron Betts, the same guy, says, I think when they were talking about Trump's legal troubles, he said, I think they're doing the same thing they did to Jesus on the cross. Wow. I, I can see a lot of correlation there, he said. Now, let me just pull the car over. I was a reporter. I knew how to get great sound bites. I, I covered knew, the crucifixion. Uh, I was there <laughs> with Brian Williams and Carissa Thompson. <laughs> anyway, wow. no, but um, no, no, no. Here's what I'm saying. You know this too. You know who to go talk to to get the sound bites. You know who to go to get the monkey to dance. You know where to get the money sound bites. You find crazy people. You find people that are out. It's not always indicative of the entire church. Right. They found crazy old Ron Betts and they rolled with it because it's the AP. Well, instead of talking to people uh, that he gets, he gets all the attention. Well, they also talked to somebody by the name of Cindy and Cliff Carey. Um, Cliff Carey, 73, also a member of the congregation, and he said what is more in line with what we've said. Right. He said, I think he's an imperfect individual, just like the rest of us, but I think God used that man to govern in godly principles. He's the greatest pro-life president we've ever seen. That holds water if you're a Christian in Iowa, if you are staunchly pro-life. That is why you vote. You, you know, that that's probably more in line with the majority of what that congregation thinks. Not that he's Jesus. Right. But that's not going to sell your article. And that's why exactly. that's why Cliff and Cindy are in the last few paragraphs. Exactly. And this Ron Betts guy is on the front page. Right.
trying to get us all to think that uh, Iowa collectively thinks of Trump as Jesus. A uh, quick Trump legal story is that he's moving to have the election interference charges in Georgia thrown out. Uh, Trump has made the same argument in the federal election interference case against him, which has been paused until uh, an appeals court can hear arguments on that claim tomorrow. But in the state court down in Georgia, they said um, that he should be immune from prosecution for the things that he did while he was president. So we'll see if this goes anywhere. Um, it's not unusual. We knew it was coming. Uh, also, uh, a little bit. Well, let's revisit this story. This whole Lloyd Austin went to the hospital and told no one. Okay. Uh, because there's a there. It is. It's not just a, a politician. I mean, you could argue he's a politician because he's a cabinet member, but the president should have known. The president had to know and the idea that no one's gonna no one's head's gonna roll because of this is weird yeah very weird well a big story that came up over the weekend that was really raising a lot of questions until the pentagon came in and put out a statement and raised even more questions was all about the secretary of defense lloyd austin lloyd austin went to the hospital for what they described as a, an initial medical procedure, an elective medical procedure back on December 22nd. And then he goes home from the hospital a day later. Well, something happens. January 1st, he is readmitted to Walter Reed Military Hospital in Maryland. In fact, put in intensive care because of the amount of pain that he was in. At the time, the Deputy Defense Secretary, Kathleen Hicks, assumed some of his operational duties on the 2nd of January. She happened to be on vacation in Puerto Rico. She was not actually told why the Secretary of Defense was unavailable until the 4th of January. So there's a few days there. She's handling things, but she doesn't know why. Now, one of the important parts about the Secretary of Defense is that he is obviously, he or she, obviously in the chain of, um, what would you say, chain of execution Command. in the event that there is a nuclear exchange. We need the Secretary of Defense in contact with the president and other top advisors. And in this case, they did have what they said was the encrypted communication equipment with Kathleen Hicks. So that she could stay in contact in the event that something came up. Not like we have some irons in the fire right now. But Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin um, may still be in the hospital. That's the thing. Is Last night, the Pentagon put out a statement that said the president didn't know until... Well, they didn't say the president didn't know. What they said was we informed the White House on January 4th that the Secretary of Defense was in the ICU at Walter Reed since the first. People are calling for him to be fired. Uh, John Kirby telling reporters today that the president will not fire him and he wouldn't accept his resignation if he tried to resign. He said that Biden respects the fact that Secretary Austin took ownership for the lack of transparency. I'm That's sorry, what? No, no, no. First no, of all, no. we don't even know what condition he goes to the hospital in, if he's even conscious. We don't know if he was ever under anesthesia. We don't know who was told about this. Um, he, if you are in medical care, under medical care, you lose that ability to have any sort of responsibility over a lack of transparency. Well, you're under medical care. Who does that fall on? 
Who is that? Who who does that fall on? Uh, he's been taken to the hospital in extreme pain, goes into the ICU. There's got to be his aide or secretary or whoever who then calls the appropriate people to say that the guy who makes the calls when it comes to the nation's military is incapacitated. Yeah. Um, it's not his, it's not the onus is not on the person under medical care. Elise Stefanik uh, of New York, Congresswoman, number four Republican in the House, has already called on, and she won't be the first, and she won't be the last, I should say, to called on uh, Secretary Austin to resign. She was mad at the Pentagon's move that waited several days to notify administration officials. And in fact, Congress was told about 15 minutes before the statement went out last night members of Congress. So she went on to say that this is concerning lack of transparency exemplifies a shocking lack of judgment and a significant national security threat. Agree, 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 agree. Because the irons in the fire include whatever goes on with us in China, in the South China Sea, whatever we're doing with Iran right now, where we're kind of waiting for them to make a mistake so that we can drop bombs on them, whatever's happening between us and Russia uh, in and around Ukraine, all of these things are incredibly important matters that the Secretary of Defense needs to be briefed on, ready to go, ready to advise the president, and that was not what was happening. So, which raises the question, what is the elective initial medical procedure that he was going for? Was it elective in that it was not time sensitive and he chose to do it now? Is it elective in the form of like, I'm getting my eyebrows lifted? Well, I mean, all surgeries could be considered elective if you're conscious and you're making a decision. Doctors aren't going to cut you open without you electing to sign that paperwork. Yeah, you got to give consent. Exactly. Sure. So sometimes surgery, you know, well, we could go in and cut out the cancer, but uh, you can elect to, to not do that. You know what I mean? I, I think everything's pretty elective. I think sometimes when we think of an elective surgery, we think of it as cosmetic or something that, you know, um, you know, maybe it's an athlete that chooses to have a surgery mid-season. He could wait till after the season. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, and that was that's gonna that's my question is when we find out what this was, if we do ever, is is it something that could have waited until? I don't think Lloyd so. Lloyd Austin was no longer Secretary I of Defense. I don't think so. Because then why wouldn't you wait? We are in tumultuous times. Yeah. This is not the time for the Defense Secretary to go under the knife. But then that raises the question: Should he stay on as Secretary of Defense? We need to know with his the health issue. Like well, this? what's the health issue? Right. So. Uh, last night, Golden Globes, Joe Coy was the host. Moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite, and flat feet. Ah, or what casting directors call character actor. <laughs> <laughs> some I wrote, some other people wrote. Robert De Niro's here. Yo, I got the gig 10 days ago. You want a perfect monologue? Yo, shut up. You got, you're kidding me, right? Um, which is funny because he went after his writers. They actually did a skit later where the uh, people were making fun of the writers that were on. No, I shouldn't say making fun of the writers. The writers were on strike and making fun of studio executives who tried to write after that. It's, it know. reminded me again of my problem. One of my main problems with the Barbie movie is when they tried to put Margot Robbie through like an ugly phase or like, a, oh, she's not perfect anymore. It's like. Then you had to cast somebody better than Margot Robbie. She's she's going to look perfect no matter what. Uh, our man on the inside is Jason Nathanson, the entertainment reporter for ABC News over the hill there in Hollywood. Um, 
Were you there last night? Did you just? I get, was. You were. Ooh, so you got what to see this you, up close. Huh? What did you wear? I, I, I was there. I wore a tuxedo. It's black tie. You have to wear black tie. Right, but what was the forced po- to? What was the pocket square? It was a kind of a mint greenish oh. and uh, and white number. Interesting. That's kind of a it's kind of a gamble. Um, I was told immediately when I checked in that I looked fantastic. So, oh, there you go. Did you post a picture? Uh, I did not post a picture, no. Will you send it's me It's not one? about me. <laughs> I just want to see the square. It's about the it's about the other people. Um, I did post on Instagram terrible pictures that I took of people walking by me too fast. Okay. Um, that were all blue. <laughs> like, what are you, my mom? Or hidden by cameras <laughs> and things like that. I could not get a good picture to save my oh life. Oh my God, night, you so. are our parents. I'm yeah. looking I'm scrolling through your stories right now. I thought it was funny. Oh, my God. These are terrible. (laughs) They're they're, they're really bad. uh, Well, I figure, you know, everybody's going to post the good pictures. You know what? I kind of like these better than the perfectly polished ones. I thought so, too. Kevin Costner looks old. Um, When did that happen? Well, I mean. Carrie Mulgan. That one is beautiful. That was was a good picture. I got one good picture. You know, Uh, people people get older. They age. Thank you. That's what happens. Joe Coy has been working in comedy long enough. Yeah. That I opened for him at the Laugh Factory. Wow. He's been around a long time and lately has been experiencing quite a bit of success, especially from the specials that he's recorded. Uh, and I like him. I like him as a stand-up comic. Yes. I thought this was the wrong venue for him. Yeah, you know, it was tough. I, one thing that he's talked about several times is, is just the time that they had. And there's a reason why they announced the Oscars host months ahead of time. Um, and the host for a lot of these shows months ahead of time because it 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 does take a while, and I think sometimes they get a little too much time. Like, cause you know, what do you really have to do? Like the jokes, you know, a lot of times write themselves. Right. But ten days is not enough time to do something with this because you do. You know, one of the things that uh, some of the hosts have done is they'll go to you know com- they'll go to clubs, they'll go to small clubs and test out some of this stuff beforehand. Sure. Because you got to know what's going to work and what's not going to work, and and the tone on some of the jokes were just fell flat. You you played some of them there. Um, this one was the one that I think fell the most flat was the joke about Oppenheimer and Barbie. Oppenheimer is based on a seven hundred and twenty one page Pulitzer Prize winning book about the Manhattan Project, and Barbie is on a plastic doll with big boobies. That just yeah. Really. I joke? I yeah. literally said to my wife when we watched that, oh, that went nowhere. Yeah. I mean that that, that was so and cringeworthy. That was the starting. Of, that was the start of the section, which then he then threw his writers under the bus. That and, was my problem with it the most. Not the yeah. unfunny stuff. It was throwing the writers under the well, bus and it's telling like, telling the audience to shut up. And yeah. then, then saying, uh, oh, the jokes that you've been laughing at, I wrote those. Right. Um, and, and just pointing out that he sucked, like that they weren't laughing, is yeah. never a good look. It, 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 it doesn't, but if you go back to some of Ricky Gervais's ones um, where he's told the audience to shut up, I think he's literally told the audience to shut up because they booed or they were uncomfortable at some of his jokes, but the delivery is different. And I've been trying to kind of reconcile that for, for the past 24 hours. Why does it work when Ricky Gervais or Tina Fey and Amy Poehler do it? And why did it not work so well when Joe Coy? And I think it, a lot of it has to do with when you only have 10 days, you can't refine the joke. I don't think he would have said that Barbie joke the same way if he had two months to write it, you know? 
So I think that's I one. Of, I, I feel that, like I would deliver that in front of my mirror and then have doubts about it. And when in doubt, take it out. And again, that's the thing. When you have 10 days, you don't know. You you just don't have the time. So you want to just get everything in. And and some things aren't going to work. And, and that's the case. He's getting a lot of flack for this Taylor Swift joke, which I, I don't feel is necessarily no, warranted. Who cares? Um, this this was the joke that he made about her, where she then afterwards kind of looked like she wasn't having it. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to. Here. Yeah, and then she gives Sorry him the that. cold stare. And listen, I couldn't tell if she didn't think it was funny or if she was trying to be funny by shooting him the daggers, even though she was in on the joke. Or she was thinking about Selena Gomez's snub by Kylie Jenner that, that <laughs> saw, happened what? earlier. What was so that? So Selena <laughs> wanted to go get a picture with Tim, Timothy, Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, but he could, she, like, he said no or something because well, everybody's, he's, everybody's making been, out with Kylie. Everybody's been reading the lips of, of this conversation that happened between Selena Gomez and Taylor Swift. It wasn't, you know, we couldn't hear what was said. But I don't it care about any of these people. <laughs> 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 I want to. I just don't. Uh, and can I just real quick? Uh, so Joe Coy was just on GMA3, which I don't think is actually aired here um, yet. And uh, he gave an explanation for the Taylor Swift joke. It was a weird joke, I guess. But uh, it wasn't it was more on the NFL. You know what I mean? I was trying to make fun of the NFL using cutaways, which you that know, sounds right to me. Jason, I think you're absolutely right. He just didn't have the time to refine these jokes to what they could have been. Yeah. Um, and. and and, and I, I, you know, and then you, you, you think about the Ricky Gervais stuff that he's done before, but then also, Jim Gaffigan made a pretty pointed pedophile joke. Oh um, yeah, which was which I thought was very very funny, and nobody's really nobody cares so much about that. But, what was the joke? Well, he just well, said, you, "I can't believe." Wait, I'm in, I, you want, oh, you, you got play it? it? I yeah. got it. Go ahead. I got it. I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I can't. I, you know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile. <laughs> you know? I mean, and now listen. Just, <laughs> wait, there's a little more. I don't know if that's a new category here, but. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I, I do have, too. I, I mean, have, it's obvious. Kudos to those people who laughed. I mean, yeah. they, they get it. Like, you, you realize you're in a room of people. Don't take yourself so seriously. You literally fake it. Well, for, for a living. That's so. the thing. They they don't. The, Ricky Gervais had some really, you know, devastating jokes. And so did Tina, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And those all got laughs. Yeah. Nobody really had a big problem afterwards. There, there was a, something was off here with Joe Coy. And and he said he said on the GMA3 interview that he's seen the reviews and he's kind of hurt by it. I would be too. Yeah. Uh, but but he's gonna he's got a fine career. He'll do fine. I think he's funny. Uh, stick to the stand up stuff. Uh, Gary, kill it in these bigger arenas. So the, Gary's seal of approval. My seal of means a lot. approval. I work for it I'm every sure day. <laughs> Perseverance. Liars. Trying to attain something you'll all, never one day. get. Liars. One day. Jason, thank you. Later. Bye, Jason. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jason Nathanson over the hill in Hollywood with the latest uh, ABC News Entertainment. You've been listening to The Gary and Shannon Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Monday through Friday and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.